Well, welcome to Jonah, which is my favorite icon baseball card of the series. Uh, and today, Aaron and I are joined by Wesley Newman. Hi. How you doing, Wes? <laughs> Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. So there's a few reasons why we asked you here. But first, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Um, nothing too exciting. My name is Wes Newman. Um, nothing too exciting. You helped build this barn we're sitting in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it came... Came together nicely, especially this this little backdrop here and everything. But uh, but yeah, I built houses with my dad and and my brother in law, and just had a baby. Um, he's about four months now, so me and my wife are going down the journey of parenthood together, and that's been great so far. So you do look familiar. Who do you look like that goes to element around here? Yeah, yeah, you've had my dad on here a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we could, <laughs> but we could we could have just been like, oh, and now we're in the time machine and we step back forty years because you look a lot like him. Yeah, I know it's hard to it's hard to lie and say he's not my dad because <laughs> we actually we have a shirt made that we uh, they made I think they made it on his birthday, but it's a picture of him when he's like my age, and it I thought it was a picture of me. Oh wow! Yeah. So we're talking about Jonah, and we thought it'd be fun to interview somebody who likes to go deep sea fishing, uh, kind of open water. So you have a boat, right? You mind talking about kind of what you do and where you go? Yeah, I got a boat. Um, I like fishing. It's my thing, mainly the ocean. That, that would be like my hobby, um, if I had a hobby. I haven't been in a while, but... So what's it yeah. like? You, you hop on a boat, you, how far do you head out? Wherever the fish are. How far, well, that's where I go. So a lot, a lot of times they could be right outside of Port San Luis. They could be a stone's throw off the beach, and sometimes they're 50 miles offshore. So did you go 50 miles offshore? Oh, yeah. You ever be in the middle of like a storm when it starts doing that and going? I've been scared out there for sure. So yeah. tell me about the, your scariest moment. Um, just crossing the channel, going to the islands, and um, it's bigger than forecasted. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're out there, and you're you're praying. You're like, you're nervous, and wondering what's no one's around you know and even if you call for help you know no one's going to find you and that kind of thing so you start getting nervous when it gets too big for the boat so are the swells bigger than the boat like you're just you're like this little they're big they're close yeah they're big they're close together but but it always makes you feel better because you'll get to the fishing grounds and there'll be somebody in like a tiny little boat and you're like oh i shouldn't have been so scared because they got out here so (laughs) or or maybe they're just more manly (laughs) yeah maybe but but yeah it it can get get a little hairy out there sometimes, but usually I try to go when the weather's nice. You ever fallen off? Nice. No. No. No, 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 no. You ever, you ever been swallowed by a big fish? No. No. <laughs> well, no. it's over. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. No. So how exactly, big yep. of a fish have you caught? What's your biggest? Um, Like 50 pounds, yeah. yeah. Like That's a sea bass, good. like 50 pounds. But could, it, could it swallow your head at least? No, but there's a lot of guys are catching tuna out there that are... 250 pounds, 300 pounds, that could probably swallow you. Well, we are talking about Jonah. Would you mind giving a brief recap? Today we get to the minor prophet of Jonah, and Jonah is the only Old Testament prophet sent to a nation other than Israel. He's sent to the Assyrians, to the city of Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to go to the city of Nineveh, so he runs the other direction to really the other side of the known world, and God chases after him and brings him back. Now, a lot of people 
talk about the book of Jonah with the, with the big fish or the whale or the city of Nineveh, and it's been done so much. So I take a different tact at it, and I talk about what happens to Jonah when he is in the belly of the fish. When he feels he's like he's in the belly of the beast and life may not be there tomorrow, he still in that moment sees who he is and who God is, and he praises God in that moment that he is allowed to have another breath to praise God in that moment, whether he makes it out of the fish or not. And really that's for us. The situations we find ourselves in that are hard and difficult, we should still be a people in those places who understand that God is good and he is sovereign and he has drawn us to himself. So what is a progression that God did in Jonah's life throughout the four chapters? It's kind of interesting how this goes back to a lot of the stuff we've been talking about with uh, Job, you know, just the the hard places where people are and they cry out to God in the midst of that. And that that's where Jonah ends up before he goes to Nineveh. And you see, you almost love Jonah more in chapter 2 than in any other chapter of the book. Because in chapter 1, he is like, God told me to go there. I don't like those people. If I preach to them, they might actually believe. So I want to run the other direction. So he runs off. Chapter 3, you know, the fish pukes him up on the beach. He's like, fine. And he goes to the city of Nineveh. He preaches a five-word sermon in the Hebrew text and then walks out and sits on a hill to watch what will happen to them. And he's angry in chapter 4 because they actually repent. And God doesn't destroy them. He's like, I knew you would do this. Curses you, God. I know you're loving and kind and steadfast. How dare you save those people? And in chapter 2, you just get this beautiful picture of him uh, in, a, in a place that's hard and just like, I've run, I've done these things, and yet you're good to me. I think chapter 2 is one of the most positive pictures of Jonah in the entire book. Why do you think he, why do you think he ends up going? I mean, God spits him out there, but like, is it... Fulfilling a promise? Is it why, why Well, that's what he says at the end of chapter 2. He goes, I will fulfill my vow. And then the the fish pukes him back up. It's a, it, it's a Hebrew way of worshiping God and saying, I will do what you've called me to do. And after that, the fish pukes him back up. And I think, there's a lot of people think the fish like swam around the whole horn and dropped him off over by Nineveh. I think the, the fish spit him back up exactly where he hopped on the ship to run away. So that he had to make the trek all the way over to Nineveh and actually do it. I think that it was it was a way for him to say, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. And he goes and he does it. In reading Jonah Everett, have you, did you like the story growing up? Or is it something that you resonated with? I, I think I resonated with it a little bit um, as far as crying out, to, crying out to God in times of hardship. And um, I kind of had some flashbacks of time in my life where I've, I've prayed during hardship the hardship goes away and I you know I, I think we all probably done it before I swear I'm going to do this <laughs> if you get me through this hardship and then you get through the hardship and and uh you don't fulfill your promises and mm-hmm. stuff and um I've actually had that eat at eat at my uh soul quite a bit um in the past like and then it happens again you go through the same hardship and at, at that point you're embarrassed to ask God for for help because you're like ah, I've been here before and I asked for help and you gave it to me and it's sometimes hard yeah. to believe how good God is yeah. when he's not just like look I'm through with you yeah. he asked a hundred times and yeah. you keep doing the same dumb thing yeah on that same subject it's kind of uh, it's easy going go, to go down the karma path like mm. uh, you know what I'm saying like uh, if I do this I get that if I don't do this I don't get yeah, that yeah or type of thing like like you can almost bargain with god like mm-hmm. just get me through this 
and then I will mm-hmm. do something. Well, it's like in the message I, I talk about Mike Turner, the guy who got his leg caught in, in that rock, and he's dying, and he can't get to water, and a few days in, he's like, well, what did I do? What do you want to teach me? Do I need to teach something? What, what am I missing here? Like, if I just find that thing I was missing, then God would do this thing for me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how a lot, I think, of times we see it when things get really hard. We look for that thing that says, if I just do this, then God has to do that and make my life better. Mm-hmm. When God's not obligated to us at all, but He does love us. I've, like I said, like I've, I've, I get shameful about asking, like a tit for tat type of thing, because I know I won't uphold my end of the, uh, of the, of the bargain. You know, like I'm, I'm going to fail. Like I say, mm-hmm. if you do this for me, I'll never do this again. And more often, more likely than not, I'm probably going to do that, <laughs> do that thing again. And and God knows that too. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. like he's going, ah, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, changing subject a little bit, what what captures your heart for God? Like, what is it that you find compelling enough to put your faith in him and to trust him in, in things, to even cry out to him in, in times as opposed to something else? I look at I look at nature and everything around us and that, that, like, I don't know how you could look at colors or a tree or anything, a dog or people and not be drawn to that and to to God and a creator. Um, and I then like I start asking words. questions. But. I like the words that you use, drawn, because yeah. that's what it is. It's, it's a response to God wooing and drawing us to himself. I mean, scriptures speak like that, that God is the one who draws us and, and makes, us, makes our hearts come alive because of what he does. And that's, I like that. That's how you see it. Mm-hmm. Lots of colors. Yeah, it's very colorful. It's a co- I mean, can you make a color? So the questions in the, the handout, uh, think about all the things that frustrate you and make you angry with the world or in the world. What's something big? What's something big that just frustrates you that, that you wouldn't mind sharing? For me, the neg- negative uh, media and news coverage drives me nuts. Like when you see, you could just take COVID, for example, the, the media blasts COVID everywhere. And it's this such this negative thing. But... Um, people tune in and you have the whole world working together wearing masks doing what they think is going to help working in unison pretty much but imagine if they put that energy to something positive like 99% of the media at any time is negative 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 I guess it's ratings or I I don't know if it's agenda driven or ratings driven but instead of um, looking at all the divisions even in politics look at the places where people could actually come together and things that take Take world hunger. Like uh, they say 25,000 people a day or something are dying of hunger. And you could actually stop hunger. Like if you got the world working together like they were with coronavirus and world hunger, you'd stop it tomorrow. Or at least get it way down. I think that their positive news stories should come out about how people are coming together. Like when you talked mm-hmm. about the... So we wear masks and, and we make sure we don't do these things. And some some people... Stay home, and it's but they don't focus on that. Yeah. They just focus on the people who aren't doing yeah. it. And, the, and I think maybe if it was a much more positive, hey, these hey, there's all these people coming together. There's so much joy yeah. here that, and that might actually help rather than the oh, look at the the anti-vaxxers or the anti-this or the anti-that. Yeah, I was re- I'm reading this news article the other day, and in the middle of it, they have like you know clickbait through it, and and it says, take this survey. What scares you the most? And I'm like. Why? Why? Yeah. Why is that a question? So we could put it on a headline to get yeah. you to go to their page over mm-hmm. and over again. This is why I stopped looking at all news 
about the day after the election. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Something can happen um, on the news, and it works. We'll all talk about it. We'll even talk about how we hate talking about it or how we hate that it's there, but at least it's still working, so we talk about it. But, yeah, that would be a frustration I have. How can, how can the body of Christ step into some of that negativity? We're not in the news, but, but how can we... we bring good not not add to the chaos not add to the negativity i i think it's by focusing on the gospel the too often we get to a place where we want people to agree with us politically which would be nice uh agree with us about whatever issues we see instead of wanting to center ourselves around christ first like i said a couple weeks ago that the body of christ is not a group of people that that have like a like a common political affiliation or a common income status or a common color to our skin. The body of Christ is a group of people who center themselves around Jesus, and that's where we have to start. And if we don't start there, we're going to divide ourselves out of over all these other things. That you're my disciples by how you love one another. Hmm. So, so if we just love one another, yeah. Help. But sometimes it's hard because, like, let's say you're at. Here a, we go. A, See, it's hard. Well, but let's say you're at a family dinner and. There's people there that are talking about the politics of the day, and it's this negative thing, and they're really just, it's a bash fest of the other side, which we're probably all guilty of, mm. but... I've never done that. When you, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you try to, if you come at it from a, from a Christian standpoint, especially if they're not Christians themselves, it's hard to... You might say, like, yeah, you know, just turn that stuff off. You know, it's no good. Well, that's boring. They don't want to hear that. If you start talking about... Um, if you start talking about the gospel and God, um, you might even get negative reactions. Well, but I think you know, that's and, when you—that's when you ask questions. Yeah. So, what is it about this movement that instead of speaking about this other side negatively, tell me what's positive about what you think? Tell me about that. Like, and why? Why are you drawn to that? Why is that so great? Mm-hmm. Well, have you ever thought about? why the other side thinks the way that they do. Like, mm-hmm. did you state the other side's opinion in the most positive way possible, like how right. they would explain it? And right. you get them to start thinking, well, how would they say it? So you can help them to begin to see what the other side actually thinks. Right. And until we can do that, we're never going to step into somebody else's shoes and be able to have a real conversation with them. Right. But that conversation just goes back to the media. We're talking about what they put in front of our mm-hmm. face and that yeah. negative story anyway. So they're like, look at that. Mm-hmm. Our ratings just went up. These people are talking about it. Run a different one tomorrow. We're trending on Twitter. Yep. And maybe if we took a step back and said, with relatives and things who come to our house, or we go to their house and they feed us, and they, maybe we took a step back a little bit and just saw a little more of the humanity in them, even though it's broken and they need Jesus, it might help us to have those conversations better. Well, I can't say anything better than that. Try to find the humanity in people this week as you engage. Try to find the positive. Try to ask questions, good questions that help both sides to see good in the other side. Uh, and try to find ways to speak the gospel, to speak truth that we are all, we all, both sides, 100% deserve uh, condemnation, worse, condemnation yeah. way worse than what we can have with the freedom of Christ. And yet God has given us grace in Jesus. And so that's everybody has the opportunity to be saved. Yeah. That's the beauty of the gospel. All you have to do is look at the snake on the pole, which goes back to <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, yeah. The snake on the plane. <laughs> By God's grace. And with that, we'll see you next week.
And don't forget your Pepsi. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, who said that? Who, Let's who, all go to the yeah, I didn't hear it. So oh, there's someone was talking about it. They go, it looks like you guys got all this product placement. Like someone should be giving you guys some money. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice.